Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. So Laura is still on her vacation out in the Pacific somewhere. So today I have Jen joining me once again, our home health PTA working at Kaiser from California. And thanks Jen for joining me. Oh, thanks for asking me to come back. So today we have a little bit of a story time in a situation that we don't feel like we find ourselves commonly in, but the situation may occur. Jen's going to be talking to us a little bit about an emergency situation she had, but before we get into that, I have a list of a couple steps that we should take when we find ourselves in that situation. Are you ready? I'm ready. More or less. More or less. All right. (laughs) All right. So for the first one, I feel like they're kind of simple for the most part. So step one, not really step one, but number one, um, so staying calm. So in emergency situations, I feel like a lot can be happening at one time. So I think you kind of just have to take a deep breath because making decisions kind of frantically probably isn't going to help your case. Right. (laughs) So you yourself have to be able to stay calm. Number two, we have assess the situation. So it has it as quickly assessing the scene to determine the severity of the emergency and any potential dangers. Mm -hmm. So far so good? So Yep. Yeah. So Jen's taking notes here because she's going to have to compare these to her story in a little bit. If I actually did any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number three, dial emergency services. So 911 if required. Mm-hmm. Number four, providing first aid. So it says you should have a basic knowledge and most of us have, to, I would say all of us actually, have to go through CPR yeah. courses for our classes and our courses. Um, But knowing how to do CPR, applying pressure if there's any bleeding and stabilizing fractures, kind of some basic first aid um, that we have to be able to do. Number five, communicating clearly. So reporting the emergency to either your higher ups or if you have the police arrive or an ambulance arrive, kind of be able to communicate what just happened, what you've been through, where you're at and what stage so that they're able to take over. Number six, we have following instructions. So if you do have to call 911, you have to be able to listen to what they're saying and respond appropriately if you're still doing like CPR or something in the moment that you're not able to do. Number seven, we have ensuring your safety and the safety of others. So just staying safe. And the last one is offering support. So if you're not directly involved in the emergency, Offering support to those um, that need comfort and everyone affected, whether it be emotionally or physically, just being present, I suppose. Right. Yeah. So how does how does that list sound so far? Sounds about how it goes, except for that it's all all at one time together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't, exactly. you're, not, what, you're not thinking about these steps as you're going through. It's, it's no. not in. It's not you know like well, step one. I should do this step. Three. No, it's definitely all mashed together and and uh, and I think partly common sense. Hopefully, most of us you know would have I agree. a lot of it as well. So feel, yeah, just kind of understanding the situation, and I feel like number one is probably the most important: staying calm. Yeah, because you start freaking out. Everybody's going to start freaking out. And the person that's injured is probably also going to low-key start freaking out because you're freaking out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And sometimes as well, because working home health, at the the time that it happens, you're the only professional there. 
that this people are looking at. And so you are, you are it. So if you're freaking out, they're going to, that's going to make them even more uncomfortable and make them freak out or, you know, family or friends or whoever is there. Just because if the professional cannot handle it, then everything yeah, what, else Like what hope there. do they have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do feel like this situation is definitely more likely to occur, um, working in home health rather Mm -hmm. than in mine, I work in outpatient. So if something were to happen, I have my supervising PT and I have other people Mm -hmm. ready to help me. However, your situation is a little bit different. Right. So would you like to get into your story? I haven't heard this yet, so... This will be my first time hearing it as well. So when you're ready. I am. I am ready. And I will. I will just kind of out there. Um, I'm kind of one of those people when I get nervous, I may just kind of just like um, giggle a little bit just because it's just kind of my coping mechanism with uh, things that happen, you know, pain, as you know, or just even. So if if you if I do that, it, it's not in terms of like. I'm not being sensitive to the situation. It's just my, I know that about myself and I do try to like. Noted. But it's part of, it's just kind of my, like, I know that when I'm nervous, I do that. So. So just, just before I just had a curiosity, is this like, if you're in pain, you start giggling or like, if you're just the situation um, itself, the situation, or if I'm in pain, not okay. somebody else, but it's more me and my, un- when I'm uncomfortable. So if that kind of comes out a little bit, it's just because more of a, it's an uncomfortable situation for me. And so kind of the way that I, you know, some people deal with things differently here and there. I will say you're not but, the only one. I've had several patients so. that, are, that are the same and I get kind of confused sometimes because I'm not sure if I'm pushing them too much because they just start kind of giggling. And I'm yeah, like, and it's are just kind you of okay? Are you, am, I, am, I, am I tickling you? And they're like, no, it's just, just when it comes to pain, that's just how I get. So I'm like, okay. No, yeah, so you're not just the kind only of one. a coping mechanism right there. So kind of getting into it. Um, so we typically have areas that we normally cover. Um, on this particular day, I happened to be in an area that I didn't typically cover. So I never seen this patient before. I hadn't followed them before. Um, it was a patient who was, he had a stroke a long time ago. And, um, you know, if you had one, the likeliness of having another one is higher. So we were seeing him for, not sure if it was second or third at that point. Um, he was a hemi from the first one. So we were just trying to get him stronger. The, they already had a lot of equipment in the house. Hospital bed was set up in, in the living room. He had the wheelchair, he had grab bars, had already really gone through a lot of extensive therapy in the years prior to me seeing him. Um, So that day we were getting pretty close to, I believe he was getting pretty close to discharge. And, but he was still a max assist transfer type of patient that we were working with um, because of the hemi. So, um, he had his family there, wife and son, uh, were both there with me. Um, so when I got there, it was a normal. He had been eating, asked about, we asked, you know, reconcile the medications, do the vitals. Everything was fine. 
Um, we went through some exercises and then we, um, he was getting a little bit agitated while I was there, which is not uncommon. And, um, is this like agitated with, uh, like the stuff you were having him doing or just completely unrelated to you at all? More with me, kind of some of the stuff that was starting to be like, why do I have to do this type of thing? Okay. So, um, that's kind of one of the other thing you have to kind of read. How is the patient going? You know, where can you push? Where do you need to, to back off on it? So I said, okay, you know, session is pretty much almost done. You don't have to, we're not going to, I'm not going to push you to do anything more. But before you get back into bed, I do want you to work on some sit to stands. Super important um, for patients just to kind of build, especially if they're going to be doing the transfers and different things. So he was able to pull up. So he has a, he had a grab bar right there next to his um his bed and so i said okay we're just gonna go over here because the next thing after we finish this in sense and you know you can lay down and be done with the rest of the the day so um he was actually my last patient of the day so it was probably it was maybe around three o'clock in the afternoon that i had seen him so i um said okay let's do some sit to stands but he at that point i said i don't Again, try not to push people because you're trying to just make sure that you're within their realm. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, we're just going to do five sit to stands and we're going to be done. And he, um, his son was there and the wife was there and we were all there. And so he goes, okay. So he goes in a grab bar. We position him. And he's able to pull himself up. So he pulls himself up and he does more than five. I want to say I think he was at 10 or 12. Very okay, quickly. So he so he pushed himself to go. And again, more. I think it was, yeah, because he was kind of just like, well, I'm going to show you that I can do yeah. this and that I'm going to just, it was kind of in that mentality, it felt like at that point. And I was like, no, 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 you need to slow down. This is not, you know, you need to do, the, you know, do things slowly. Don't overdo it. I had just asked for five. He's going to 10, 12. And I mean, really quickly, basically, he would sit and almost bounce on his bottom and stand back up. So very, very quickly. And so once he was done, I was like, you know, you calm down and do that. I had him sit down. I said, okay, we're going to transfer you back into bed and we're done. And so he's like, okay. So his, his son was there who was doing most of the transfers at that point. So his son transferred him back into bed. And um, so I'm standing on his right side and his son is standing on the left side and his wife is there and we're just kind of talking about the session how things gone what their expectations were for us and what we were kind of working on and just kind of and also some of the discharge planning so that you know the i think we still had another week with him but you know we always try to start that conversation so they know we're mentally preparing and have plans going forward how many times have did you see him before prior to the session i had not seen him before this was my first time but i think he's been he was seen by um well obviously he was seen by a pt um i think he had had a few sessions before i had seen him okay um so he was laying there in in bed and i noticed that he wasn't his breathing had become really slow and he kind of, you know, he looked like he was asleep. And so I started to kind of just like nudge him to be like, hey, you know, are you, are you okay? Is everything okay? 
slowly breathing and almost and then it got to the point where he was not breathing anymore so i was like looking at him looking you know doing the cpr thing you're looking you're trying to wake him up now and then you're checking for a pulse which um i could not find a pulse on him so i did use the carotid the neck okay and um which i'm sorry somebody you're okay (laughs) (laughs) and um so I, I checked, I couldn't find anything. And again, it's kind of one of those things in the moment, like when you're doing your BLS training, it's all under the most perfect circumstances, right? And, yeah. and also you're using a mannequin. So you're not actually like feeling like on the mannequin, you know, there's no pulse there. So you really have to check, like, you know, you look for yours and you kind of know where you're at. And I was like, and I told him, I was like, I need to start CPR on him. He's not breathing. I can't find a pulse. So, you know, at that point, I said, okay. Um, I started CPR. So he was on his, on the hospital bed. Um, and so I asked his son to help me because at that point he was going to do any kind of breaths and I was doing the actual CPR part. And then I asked his wife to call 911 at that point. Again, so that at the staying calm. You're like, okay. Yeah. Kind of just, and just it, clear it kind of, directions. The sun helping you. In, you're the like, wife this is what you're doing. I'm doing this. You call 911. Yeah. So um, she calls 911 and it was, so I'm doing CPR and his son is there. And it, when I do CPR training, like when you do your BLS training, you always wonder a little bit for years, because it's been years that I've been doing these trainings, is any of this sticking in there? Because you don't actually ever have to use it. Amazingly, you said, it it's does. It's one of those things that's like, it's ideal conditions, like you said. Yeah. Like when we start practicing and going over this, like you kind of expect things to go a certain way. And then when they don't go like that, are you still able to handle the situation? Right. But like you said, Do like you everything kind of came like, back to you in the it moment. Was, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty amazing how, yeah, you just sort of just like, oh, well, yeah, this is what I need to do. I need to, um, how many, how many, um, like uh, the compressions and compressions, the like, breaths. Sorry. Yeah, how many compressions, how many, and then also the depth. And that's the first time I've ever done CPR. It's the last time I've ever done CPR. And they are right when you can hear or feel like you are breaking them. And I'm like, oh, oh like my gosh, cracking, if he makes yeah. this through this, he is going to, if this is, I, at the point, at that point, I was like doing it and I'm going for it and I'm thinking, okay, I need it to be deep enough. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to be in bad shape after, yeah, after this, just because you feel like, you know, you're just, so, um, we were both doing that. We were waiting for the fire department to get there and it was the longest five minutes and the fastest five minutes if that makes any kind of sense um, i mean there's so much going on and you're also yeah, so yeah no, i can see that you're like when are they getting here when are they getting here but i can hear i think that there's a fire department pretty close or there was because i could hear them coming but at the same time i'm like oh my gosh they need to get here oh my gosh they need to get here um so they finally get there and they um, take over the scene. Um, the first thing they did was actually take him off the hospital bed. And I was like, man, and 
after I had thought, I was like, should I, did I, did I mess up by not taking him off the hospital bed? Because beds are kind of bouncy. So you're trying to do compressions and because I was on top of him on the bed, um, yeah. like on the side of him, but I was on the bed, uh, my knees up on the bed and I was over him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so you kind of question yourself, should I have done this? Cause you watch the fire department do their thing. Um, so they put him down and they take over compressions. They take over, you know, bagged breaths. Um, and so at that point I, gathered the fan you know his son and his wife and we kind of are watching everything that's going on and then i uh once they kind of got everything they were doing everything there was nothing really left for me at that point um i gave them medications kind of gave them background did all of that so i walk into the other room and the first thing i do is call my supervisor and let them you know let her know what was going on um our supervisor is a nurse so, um, not that they're not, she understood what was going on a little mm-hmm. bit better as well, but it was like, okay, just kind of stay there, wait and see what happens, see everything that goes on. So at that point there was, you know, I, I went back with the family and we just, we all stayed there and watched the fire department do their thing. Um, and they worked on him for about... 45 minutes um trying to get him back but he had actually um they had ended up calling it and he ended up passing uh, uh, right after uh right after that so um i still was there talking um talking with the family and you know the fire department and so they it's the craziest thing because they go in there, they do that. They're like, you know, 45 minutes and they're like, we're sorry. This is it. And they pack up their stuff. They put a sheet over him and they left. And I'm just like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> everything that had just happened. Um, but you, you know, for them as first responders, like, they see it much more. So I think they become a little bit more desensitized where I was somewhat in shock yeah um so once once that had happened they they're packing everything up the police department shows up um so they come in and they're asking everybody questions they come up you know they ask me questions get my name my phone number what i was doing there all the things um so i i was there through all of that and then they had to call for the coroner's office to come and so at that point, um, I there was nothing else for me to do. I had already talked to the fire department, the police department, my supervisors. And so I, at that point, had to turn and I talked to the family. And um, I feel like I was very lucky. They were very, very um, compassionate about everything that had happened. Um, I think that depending on the family, depending on how, you know, because you just lose a loved one, um, they gave me a hug and, you know, of course I just told them, you know, let me know if there's anything that they need. Um, I never did hear from them again. So I'm assuming 
you know, they had services and did everything after that. And so I left um, there in somewhat shock because of everything that had just happened. Um, I called the PT that was the case manager in that area, and she was very, very nice as well. Um, she had had an incident that was similar to that, mm-hmm. so that helped as well. Um, so I left. And then that was it. My day was over. I went home and um, it was a Friday. It's like, it's like one of those, oh no, it was a Thursday because I had Friday off. But I remember it was like the end of the week. It was like the last thing the last that I did for that the last week. Day, yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And then that was it. I just went home and um, it's been one of those things that... Um, I hear it. Like, I, w- I was talking to my coworkers, and a lot of them say they've, you know, they've been doing it for a long time, twenty years, and none of them have ever really gone through any of that type of thing. So, of course, you sit there and you think, well, what could I've done different? And for a long time after, I think, well, should I have stopped him? You know, should I have really just? I'm like, how do you? But how do you hold someone and be like, okay, you know, it, it was. Things that I felt like I should have been able to do differently. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if it would have been any different. Yeah. At that point. So, um, yeah, that that's what happened. No, it's definitely, and kind of like what we talked about um, before we kind of jumped on, um, what you were saying is that we kind of expect ourselves to be that last responder. And mm-hmm. in my situation that I'm in now, most of our situations, if you work in um, inpatient, outpatient, that is the case. When I was working in inpatient, there was a code in one of the rooms and nobody looking towards me. Yeah. You have the charge yeah. nurses, you have the respiratory, you have everybody else except me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you work in home health and um, the reason why we kind of wanted to bring this up and thank you again for, for sharing that, I know it's probably not easy talking about it and kind of remembering it. There are situations where we are that first responder and especially in home health, because we are the only healthcare provider there. Sometimes you might run into nurses um, and other healthcare professionals if they do have that multidisciplinary approach at home, but a lot of times you're alone. Yeah. Uh, For me personally, even like that home, like the CPR and everything like that, I kind of remember it. Not really. Maybe in the situation I would. But it's just something that we don't really see ourselves doing very often. And like you said, like you have coworkers that have been in the the field for 20 years, more or less, and it's never really happened to them. Um, Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. when you went to go see this patient, first time you've seen them too, so you didn't really know their demeanor, what they've been up to recently, and kind of worked with them that day, it was a little bit different and you had to kind of figure it out as you went. Um, was there anything like afterwards that you kind of thought about just like as far as like a kind of like a learning thing? Like, is there any, like as far as like, do you think like yeah. CPR courses, like you trying to take a little bit more of those, like any first aid kind of things? Not really in terms of that. Um, trust your training. You know, it really, especially if you've done it, for you know, every two years you're getting it um, recertified and everything. That trust that what you're doing in those 
those classes are actually working. I will say, I think since that happened, you know, sometimes when you go into the the ELS training, you're like, oh, I've done this so many times that you're not paying fully attention to it. You're not really fully engaged in that training. And I think since then, I'm a little, I'm a lot more engaged in it. I'm like a lot more, even though I've done it, um, you know, the class so many times, being in that situation, I'm like, okay, yeah, I really want to make sure I know what I'm doing. Um, Yeah there um but in terms of of anything the only thing that i wish i would have done differently is stop him from basically doing i'm going to show you yeah and overworking um a heart that probably could not take what he was trying to do at the time and those situations are tough too like even Again, outpatient now working like even just this week, I've had patients who have um, like a low ejection fracture for their heart. They're also doing cardiac rehab. Um, we monitor their their oxygen levels, their heart rate when we're working with them. But sometimes the patient wants to push themselves, and the problem is like maybe it's their body that can't handle it. Even if mentally they can, it's sometimes right. the body that doesn't want to. And sometimes you don't know, like you, when you're doing cardiac yeah. rehab, you know, you know where your the line is and how to where to push. Um, with this patient, there wasn't any of those indications. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a hard part as well. Um, you're talking about an old stroke with a new stroke, you know, and and how it it's kind of affected him. Um, I will say. Again, because COVID, COVID changed a lot for outpatient, I think, in home health, especially with home health. Um, this may have been a person who would have gone to a rehab versus coming straight home. And so what we were seeing the last three years, it's, it's changed again a little bit um, with COVID kind of going not being as quite as in the forefront um, is that people are not going to rehabs. And so we were getting patients who were much more sick. Uh, we were getting a lot more patients who should have been in a step down or a queue, like, um, like a rehab. But mm-hmm. because of COVID, they were worried or family was worried. And so they would come home and then the doctor would just order home health, which is not the same as yeah, going to a rehab. The level of, yeah, the level of care and the people that are able to check in with them, it's, it's not the same. Right. Um, it, it, it's changing a little bit more again now. People are not quite as scared to go into the rehab. So the people that we're seeing are kind of starting to kind of become more like the pre-COVID, where it's like they've gone to the hospital, they've gone to the rehab, and now we're here as the bridge between you know, that week or two before they start outpatient versus they went to the hospital, the hospital couldn't keep them anymore. Now they're home and their family's trying to do everything. And now we're, you know, seeing a patient who is not really a a very good candidate uh, for a home uh, PT. No, I agree. I think it's definitely changed a little bit. As far as our list that we mentioned at the the top of the episode, I feel like you kind of knocked them all down. Yeah, I think um, it was I not feel too like bad. You, you stayed calm. You assessed the situation. You did call for help. You provided first aid. You communicated to the family. Um, you did your instructions. You stayed safe. You offered support. I think you knocked everything down. 
Yeah, it's a pretty good, it was a pretty good list. Uh, I think, uh, again, it's all jumbled in there. You maybe true. You know, it's, not. it's not like step <laughs> by step. Like, all right, step one, hold on. Let me figure this one out, and then I'll go to the next step. Right. It kind of all happens at the same time. At the same, yeah, exactly, um, for sure. So I hope I never have to go through something like that again, but you never know. And um, I hope I that I feel can like I hope no that. one really has to, to go through it. No. Um, it, it's definitely not easy. And uh, definitely leaves you thinking afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. For um, it was kind of after that had happened that weekend, we had already had a trip planned with one, um, our neighbors. And one of them is a firefighter um, here in the same city that we work in. So it was kind of nice to be around somebody who understood that part of what had happened because he was, he did that or he does that for a living. Um, so I think that helped as well. Um, I did get support, you know, from coworkers and things like that, but, um, and nothing else ever really came out of it. Yeah. Uh, there. And since I already had the day off after, they didn't offer the day off. They did, but they're like, well, you have it off, so. Yeah, here we already, it was already the weekend coming up, and right, it was your yeah. last one. And even then, I don't know if I would have taken the next day off. Like, I, it, you know, sometimes working makes it easier. Gives, get your mind off things. situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. Uh, it definitely depends. Sometimes keeping yourself busy is the way to go. Sometimes you kind of just want to take the day to yourself, but. Everybody kind of handles it a little bit different. Also depends on what happens, but but yeah, thank you so much for for sharing. Do you have any last words here and there? No, no any just like um, trust your training. You um, when you walk in when you walk in there, they they may look perfectly fine, but you really don't know what's going on inside. So you have to really kind of just pay attention and give cues and. Um, watch what they're doing and take kind of air of control and being like, for me, it's just kind of like, no, 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 too much. And so now a lot of times that's what I might tell patients. Maybe sometimes I'm overly cautious, especially right after I will say like I was scared mm-hmm. to push anybody. I'm scared to push our medical patients um, because of it, you know, because it yeah. was like, what happens if, you know, this happens again? And it was, it was simple as just such a stance. I feel like it's, a, well, at least for me, is a staple of something that I give a lot of patients. I mean, yeah, I mean, the super important transfers, moving from the bed to the couch to going to the restroom. No, I, I agree. I, mm-hmm. I would have done the same to the stands or even an outpatient and inpatient home health, like sits the stands or almost a must right so yeah i mean the likeliness of working home health or outpatient and this happening is very 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 low but there's always you know that chance so you just have to be prepared i agree well jen thank you so much for for sharing and thank you for joining me for today's episode Just let me know if I'm around and if you have any uh, home health 
where I am. <laughs> well, thanks guys for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Check out our socials, the YouTube as well. Can I get back on that? We keep saying that, but we're definitely slacking when we get our life together. But it will come back up when we're able to. And until then, we'll catch you guys next time.